and family activities. And, you know, I, I think that's a challenge uh, even as we get into the grandparent stage. Um, and the key is to take it before the Lord and see, know what is appropriate and what isn't, what is too much and what isn't, for what God is wanting you personally to do and be in your life. And what he may be leading you to do may not be what he's leading me to do. It's unique to who you are and to your journey. So, yeah. Yeah. Doing those, those busy things. Uh, it's the... Um, I think it's in Luke 7. Turn there. Actually, it may be Luke 10, now that I'm thinking about it. Let's try 10, we'll go from there. It is 10. In verse 38 of Luke 10, it came to pass as they went that Christ entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. And Martha was cumbered about with much serving and came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me in the kitchen alone to serve? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Martha lives in us all. Tell her, therefore, that, tell her, therefore, to come help me. <laughs> I mean, are you a fair God or not? <laughs> this is not fair. <laughs> Our insistence, our childhood insistence on fairness, you know, follows us into adulthood. <laughs> Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, you are careful and troubled about many things. Only one thing is needful, and Mary has chosen that good part, part which shall not be taken from her. Whoa. <laughs> uh, even... Even housework and our expectations of how that needs to look and who needs to be helping me with it. <laughs> I know I'm on real thin ice here. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to get my snorkel gear on. <laughs> but we have this human mindset. Martha is understandable to us. And, and maybe it's, it's Martha not in the kitchen, but Martha out in the yard. Named Mike, you know, mowing and weeding and whatever, and not, no one's helping. Uh, you know, there's, it's appropriate to want help and need help, but we also, it's appropriate to make sure of what is most important and at hand. And Mary had chosen to be with Jesus as she could, while she could, to hear from him and to learn from him. And we're not talking about, you know, your house can, you know, fall in on your shoulders or your you know, yard can grow up that the city gives you a citation. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a balance in our life in which whatever we do and whatever we're about, 
doesn't hinder the one good thing. Doesn't choke out the good seed. Does not fill us so much with the junk food that we've lost our appetite for righteousness. Okay. Yes, there are going to be things. You look at the life of Christ, and his, his, his was obviously not a monastic experience. He had a very complex life. He had people around him all the time to the point in some scriptures in the Gospels, he, didn't, he and his disciples didn't even have time to eat. And so there was a tremendous chaos around him. And that speaks to the chaos of this day and age. We live in the midst of chaos. We live in the midst of complexities. Christ's external existence was not simple. He did not live a simplified life. It was very complex in its relationships and in the the, um, experiences and the encounters that he had. He had very little time for himself. But there came those moments where he realized he could no longer continue giving out because you will notice in the scripture there's two or three places that says or alludes to the flow of power that came out from him with a healing. When he healed, there was a power flow that was noticeable outward. The woman uh, in um, Luke 8 who had an issue of blood for uh, 12 years and she touched the hem of his garment in the midst of everybody touching him. And he stops and he says, who touched me? And the disciples said, well, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. It's essentially what they said. But there was one who touched him with a touch of faith and who had a need, a touch of need, not a touch of curiosity but a touch of need. And instantaneously, when faith and need connected on the hem of his garment, power flowed out from him. He said, it says in there, that he felt the power leave him. And there are other places where it talks about the power leaving him to heal. So there came times where Jesus was depleted. And he didn't dilly-dally. He didn't dicker with people. He didn't say, oh, I need, to, I need to help over here because there are people still dying and leprous and blind and there's so much to do. He would immediately, when he came to that point, go up into the mountains to be alone with his father to get his tank refilled. And, and that was because, obviously, he could not afford to go beyond the point of handling the stressors of this, the, the, the world that he lived in. He could not afford to make a mistake. You know, you and I live on the brink of a mistake all the time. <laughs> because in this era of grace, we don't have to be perfect. But he did. And so his relationship and his alignment with the Father was the most critical thing in his life. And he never lost sight of that. 
because he had to live the law perfectly. He could not make a mistake. And because we live in grace and make mistakes all the time, I think we anesthetize ourselves a little bit to um, the call of righteousness in our life and of what that really should look like. And the call should translate in you and me to a hunger for it and to a thirst for it. And those things that keep us from the hunger and keep us from that thirst, that righteous, holy thirst, are those things that we need to be mindful of and make conscious decisions about and not be on automatic pilot. Yeah, there are going to be complexities in our life. There are complexities in our life. And those complexities are going to swirl about us and compete for the soul's stomach. They're going to compete for our attention and compete for our focus. And yes, we can get distracted with some things as long as the hunger for righteousness is still there. But if I am letting things in this distracted, chaotic world that I live in and that you, you live in come in and dull my appetite for righteousness, there's the rub and there's the issue. And if I continue to let things in so that I'm still questing for righteousness, but I can't quite get my act together, then I need to consciously look at what I need to trim. Do I need to go back up into the hills? Do I need to come to the prayer garden? Do I need to go to my prayer closet? Um, those are the, the uh, testing points for you and me. You know, let me just put out a few other things here in closing. The woman at the well in uh, John 4 is a prime example of this, this thirst. Uh, in fact, let's, let's go there and, and um, land there for the remainder of our time. Um, this is an appointment that Jesus had with her. She had no idea that she would meet at the well of Jacob in the middle of the day, a stranger of compelling knowledge of her and of wisdom of her life. Um, so in uh, verse 4, he had to go to, of chapter 4 of John, it was important for him to go to Samaria. And um, there came a woman of Samaria in verse 7 to draw water. And Jesus said, give me something to drink. So the metaphor for this whole conversation is what she was thirsting after. It was her thirst. And um, she was amazed in verse 9 that he, being a man and a Jew, would ask her, a woman and a Samaritan, for something to drink. And in verse 10, Jesus said, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. 
The woman said unto him, Sir, uh, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From where uh, then do you have this living water? Verse 13, Jesus said, Whosoever drinks of this water, uh, this water from Jacob's well, shall thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. The water that I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And um, over in uh, chapter 7, just to complete this hunger and thirst, this thirst picture, in uh, verse 37 of chapter 7, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. If we thirst for righteousness, we must come and sit at the feet of Jesus. And only one thing must matter. He that believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So the, the theme of many of the chapters in the book of John is this living, this thirst. This thirst for a water that is spiritual and is righteous. Now, this woman had a thirst. And Jesus begins to talk with her about all the husbands that she has had. And the fifth one, that she, the one that she's living with now, is not her husband. And she is astonished that he knows all of this. He told me, she, she said to her, her neighbors, everything that ever I've done, everything that's ever happened in my life, he knows it all. And Jesus was speaking to a thirst that she didn't understand. She had tried to fill this thirst for living water that she knew nothing about with human supply. She had a deep hole in her that she tried to fill with men. It was a hunger and a thirst of her soul. And Jesus is saying, this is junk food. This is not what will satisfy this deepest longing of you. It is the thirst for a righteous water that only I can give to you. And she was trying to fill that thirst and that hunger with what she could. And it was junk food. And junk food may be climbing the corporate ladder. Trying to please a dad that never gave his approval to us. It may be getting your doctorate. It may be going the educational ladder. It may be going the social route. It may be going the financial. We all try to fill those holes in us with what we think will make a difference. And Christ's words to us are that that's junk food. And it will dull the appetite for the real thing. And it siphons us off trying to find the food we really need. We just, you know, there's some days where nothing you eat satisfies you and you've just eaten all day long and you're, still, you're not satisfied. It's because you haven't found the right food that your body is hungry for. And so you just fill it all up and it still isn't satisfying. So, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. He speaks to us today 
of what really matters, of what really is important, because he knows that with you and me, living in this chaotic, complex world, we will reach for junk food. We will get distracted and fill ourselves with things that may fill us up but not satisfy us. So the journey of the Beatitudes is an emptying out process. We have to get emptied out of, detoxed of the, of the junk. We have to let go of those things that we are cumbered about, those many things that we are cumbered about, and find the one thing that really matters and choose it. And then build around that what of this life we must deal with. But at the hub of the wheel must be a pristine thirst for a pristine righteousness that none of us can achieve. But where that hub of the wheel is emptied out so much of the junk that God can give us the gift of righteousness. And the exciting thing about that gift is though it fills us and satisfies us, it does not quench our thirst. We continue to have a thirst for it. It continues to create the thirst. It does not distract. It satisfies, but it creates an ongoing thirst for that which is holy and righteous. So I'd like for you to take a minute just to write down, as the Lord prompts you, what are those things in your life that may be junk food that are hindering your thirst or that are counterfeit things that may have seemed like this is what I needed to do, this is what I needed to ingest, but maybe they're actually deflecting your thirst for righteousness. Maybe they're um, getting in the way of it. So take a moment just to reflect and, and record what the Lord may prompt you to uh, think about on what it is in you that hinders this thirst.
And as you're writing, when you are finished, I ask you just to go on into prayer, personal prayer with him on what he really is prompting you to do with this. <laughs> 